recognize anew the faithfulness of God, be reminded of his, his peace and his beauty. Um, I, uh, I, I love the season of Advent because it, it just, it just serves me well. <laughs> um, I hope you like it too. Uh, but, uh, it, 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 it's one of those things that in the hustle and the bustle and all the mixed messages and the temptations of this season, now that this season has become so secularized, um, that can draw us away from remembering that the point of Christmas is the, the birth of God in the flesh come to save us from our sin. There, and it's those, those temptations that are all around me and all around you that they're, they're those uh, internal impulses as well as external pressures that allure us away from God. And particularly in this season, those temptations can be great. That, that uh, we get so caught up in all the other things that we forget about Jesus being at the center and marveling at his majesty and beauty and celebrating his faithfulness. And, and today, what we're going to look at about, about the, the incarnation, about God becoming flesh, is how Jesus, as we've been doing all this whole series, about how Jesus can relate to us. Because God, the Son, has become fully human. And today, we'll see how he faced the temptations directly from the evil one. Now, some people, uh, you know, this, this passage treats the devil like the devil is real and the personification of evil. I personally believe that as well. Um, but I'm not an apologist for the devil. You don't believe in the devil, that's fine. Um, if you don't believe in evil, turn on your TV, uh, open your eyes. Uh, so there's plenty of evil, whether or not you believe it's personified or not. That That's just, I don't need to... I'm not going to waste our time talking about it. But the reality of evil is real. Um, and in, in this case, Jesus comes face to face with evil. And the temptations that are there, the, 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 the pressures that he faces to be pulled away from the Father is what we'll look at. And what can we learn from that but recognize how Jesus also can relate to the temptations we feel at any season, this season or any season in life. Jesus can relate to the temptations that you feel and that I feel. And he can direct us to the the way out of those. He can direct us to the way to the Father if we want it. He's there, and what we'll see today, how he leads us uh, through those temptations. Now, passages in Luke chapter 4, uh, starting with verse 1 um, through verse 13. And uh, this is the, the very beginning of Jesus' um, ministry. He's uh, been baptized by uh, John the Baptist. And we've, we've right before here is the, his genealogy, you know, his record of, of all of his family. And now his next step in his public ministry is this move into being tempted um, in the wilderness. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Uh, Almighty God, again, we thank you for your written word. And as we'll learn today, it, it is word. You give us words of life, words of truth, words that lead us uh, into the, the fullness of life with you. Uh, and so guide us in this time. Help us even in this moment just to set aside all the other 
to-do lists, all the other things going on so that we will focus on what is most essential, the only necessary element of life to focus on you. In uh, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, uh, Luke chapter 4, starting with verse 1. And, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And, and when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it's been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, in him only shall you serve. And he, the devil, took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now let's just walk through these temptations a little bit. Um, You see that the first one here, the devil goes straight for the gut, literally. You know, he goes for the, the personal needs, the personal desires of Jesus. He's tempting Jesus to focus on himself. I mean, Jesus is hungry. He's been fasting for 40 days. He's feeling that. Hey, meet that need. I mean, God's here, right, to meet our needs. You're, you, you have the capacity to turn this stone into bread. So do it. Meet that hunger within you. And, you know, it's not a bad thing that Jesus can turn stone into bread. That's a very useful gift. And we know later on Jesus uses gifts like that to multiply the food, to feed um, the multitudes, to feed himself, to feed the, the disciples. So what's the problem here? The, the, the problem is that the, the devil, what he'll see in, in all these cases, he's trying to take Jesus' attention off of following the ways of the Father. Yeah, and, and this is a very uh, common problem for those of us who are Christians who follow after Jesus. Because we are supposed, our lives are to be God-centered and others-directed. Yeah, that's what God, the greatest, Jesus said, the great commandment, love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So we're to be God-centered, we're to be others-directed. But the problem is, God is so good. God is so generous. He is so giving. He provides for all those needs. It's really easy for us to act like, you know, two-year-olds, three-year-olds. Where everything's about me. It's really easy for us to fall into that kind of habit. Really easy for us humans because God is so marvelous that we can think God saved me for me. 
You know, you can think that, that God saved you for your own sake instead of for God's glory. Your pleasure and need is not the center of the universe. And neither is mine. We've got to be careful of the self-centered temptation. God is not my heavenly vending machine. He's, he's not divine customer support. God is not an app that I access when I'm lost. God is the, the Savior, Creator, beautiful, marvelous lover of all of creation. The one who redeems and makes all things right. This God is the center of the universe. And we were made to glorify and honor Him. And that's where we flourish. But this this self-centered temptation, it can sneak into our lives really easily. And again, you know, all these temptations here, they're not bad things. These aren't temptations like don't murder about murder or steal or cheat or lie or commit adultery. You know, that, that that's not what this is about. This is about good things being done for the wrong purpose. This is about actually breaking the first commandment, making something else more important than God. And in this case, the temptation of the devil, hey, Jesus, you're hungry, take care of it. Just feed yourself right now. It's a good thing to feed yourself. It's not a good thing for you to be hungry. Temptation is great for us to make ourselves the center instead of God. The devil will do everything that he can to keep you and me from maturing, developing, and growing in our obedience, in our love, in our commitment, in our submission, in our enjoyment of God. He will do everything just to get us a little off course. He will work in us. Even when we gather here, he'll work in us again in subtle ways. He'll work in, in, in you or in me to think that this worship service is about me or about you. And, and, and you can get sort of caught up in the fact that that song wasn't the one you liked. It's not, it, it disappointed you. You didn't get what you needed. And because you've fallen into the temptation of focusing on yourself, you've just missed the point that the person down the pew or right behind you is in tears because they're meeting the Lord in that moment. You can think that, that life in, in community and in, in our neighborhood, in our cities about getting what you need, protecting yourself, your, your loved ones. And again, those are good things. But you can do it at the expense of knowing the pain and agony of those around and forgetting and neglecting those in poverty, those that face prejudice and injustice, those who are victims of abuse. Parents... We have a baptism uh, today at second service. But parents, man, your greatest job as Christian parents is to teach your children to love. So Jesus said, I mean, if you want to find your life, give it away. But if you're trying to hold on to it, you're going to lose it. So the greatest thing you can do is to teach your children to love. It is the most beautiful experience when a Christian parent sees their children sacrifice for the benefit of others. Because Jesus said, that's where they find life. 
Jesus here refused to get derailed by the real hunger that he was feeling in his body, his unmet need, because he was determined to make doing the will of God his greatest desire. His greatest hunger was to do the will of God. That, that's, that's to be our greatest hunger. That's not my greatest hunger. I, I don't get up in, in the morning. I'm thinking more about, you know, what's in the refrigerator than I am who's in the throne of life. Well, you're probably the same, I can guess. Certainly some of you. So for those that are in my boat and your boat, this is our challenge this week. Every meal, every meal, I want you to pray. We're going to pray every meal this week. God, I, I want my hunger to, for you to be greater than my hunger for whatever's on the plate in front of me. God, help me desire you more than this chocolate-covered, cream-filled donut. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, a, that's, that's props to my uh, father-in-law. Because that was his favorite. That was his go-to. Krispy Kreme, chocolate-covered, cream-filled donuts. But at every meal this week, just pray, God, I want to hunger you for you greater than whatever is on the plate. All right. So the, the, the second, second temptation. So the first temptation was a temptation to be self-centered. That you're, somehow your pain is unique. That, that, that's the first one. First temptation. That your pain is, is unique and, and, and different and better, greater than others. Um, not denying it, but saying don't let that become the center of life. All right. The second temptation. The, the, the devil takes Jesus um, and shows him all the kingdom of the world in that particular time, in that particular space. All that Jesus in his God the Son, in his human form, can handle. He sees all that's there and he's basically saying, listen, all this, you will be on the throne of all that you see right now if you just worship me. Now, there, there's probably, the, and this is, this is the thing with the devil, that there's some truth to what he's saying. Yeah, I wish the devil had came with pointed ears, a pitchfork, and a tail. I wish that were the case. But that's not. Yeah, he, he's got a, enough truth to fool us. Because at that point in time, yeah, Jesus, he, he had the power to oversee what Jesus could see. But not for eternity. It was a short-term Presentation of here's the power that you can have, Jesus, and you can have it. And this is the kicker. Now. Get it now, Jesus. Again, notice the devil's doing everything he can to divide us from making God the center of our lives. He's doing whatever he can do to cause division from God. So take it now. And follow me. Worship me. That's the, you can have it now. This is where you gotta be careful. With this temptation here. Be careful of the shortcut temptation. It's easy to take a shortcut. I mean, God <laughs> can take a long time to do God's will. Just ask the Israelites. They were imprisoned for 400 years before God brought them out of 
slavery, before God rescued them and saved them. God can take decades. I mean, you know, think about Abraham and Sarah. They're in their 90s. Moses is in his 80s before they start their ministry. God can take a long time to bring about transformation. And God will work according to God's perfect timing and not my calendar. I've been trying it for 57 years to get God to work by my calendar. Hasn't worked yet. And he won't work by yours either. It's not according to your impatience, your desires, or my needs. But God's glory and his beauty. It can be easy to take the shortcut though. Can be really easy with good motives, you know. The, hey, the 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 ends justify the means. You know, a little lie here, a little stealing here. Who's it gonna hurt? And it's really for good stuff later on. That's the shortcut temptation. Again, there's nothing wrong with shortcuts if they really are helpful and they're in alignment where God is leading us. But too often, I I'm more tempted to take the shortcut that's easiest for me than I am in following after the ways of God. And I think what's happening here with Jesus is that the devil's telling him, listen, you can have all this. And because Jesus went, well, this is mine. Jesus would know, this is promise. This authority is mine. I'm going to have it. And the devil's saying, you can have it now. And guess what you can bypass? The cross. Man, you don't have to go through these next three years. You don't have to gather your disciples or a bunch of bumbling idiots and then mess with all the crowds who are always complaining just like Israel was thousands of years ago. You don't have to mess with them. You don't have to build the church. You don't have to do this. How inefficient. Don't mess with all of that. And for sure, then you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to go through this kangaroo trial. You don't have to have the crown of thorns on your head. You don't have to have nails in your hands and your feet. You shortcut this, man. Bypass all that. Go get what is rightfully yours now, right? God, the Son is rightfully yours. Go take it now. Now, that's a temptation. Let me avoid all that. Let me avoid that pain. Let me avoid that struggle. Let me avoid all of the the human drama and just get what is rightfully mine now. But Jesus, again, answering him with the scripture, it is written that you, you worship and serve God alone in every decision. In every action, the little thing and the big thing, every aspect of life, we worship and serve God. In every challenge of life, we worship and serve God, even when it hurts, even when it's hard, even when it's a challenge, even when it takes work, and even when it seems so inefficient. Beware in the uncertainty of our view of God's overarching plan and of God's timing, beware of the shortcut temptation. Now, some of you probably know what the challenge is going to be this week. I think I throw this out about every other Advent. And it's probably for me more than it is for you. So sorry. Uh, but uh, um, uh, And that's to get in the slow lane. Get in the slow lane this week. Practice patience. 
Remember, yellow lights mean slow down, not speed up. That's uh, how I know the red flags of God saying, you're going a little too fast there, son, when the yellow lights are motoring through. You know, whatever it might be for you, what's a way to slow down? What's a way to get in the slow lane? Uh, maybe at the grocery store, you know, Christmas shopping. Fine. Now, don't, don't be hunting. Don't be counting how many people and how much stuff is in their basket, you know, when you're at Kroger. You know how you do, how we do that? Or am I the only one, you know, that does that? And, you know, just get in the line that's right in front of you. Or if you're really advanced, get in the longest line and then enjoy it. You know, and just wonder what God has around you. One caveat, if you record television shows, it's okay to fast forward through the commercials. Yeah, for the most part, they're not redeeming anyway a lot. So you're okay there. I'll give you that one. But what is the way? The challenge this week, what's the way to get in the slow lane and practice patience, pray for patience? In order... To recognize the temptation of the shortcut. All right, the the third and final temptation. Then uh, the uh, the uh, you know devil wasn't successful with the temptation of, of Jesus in the self uh, being self centered. He wasn't successful with the shortcut. Now the last one, he's going to go for the bling. He's going to go for the explosion for the big thing. He he takes Jesus to the temple, Temple Mount. It, takes him to the, the top point of the temple so there will be crowds around uh, that and he says now what I want you to do here I want you to jump from the temple yeah and what and God will rescue you because it's written the devil's using the Bible too he's using the Bible to say it's written God will protect you so just go up there and jump from there everyone will see it what a sensational event this will be as you jump the crowd cries and God rescues you in that moment I'm sure he's saying let's get the uh, influencers out there you know who's proficient with Instagram TikTok and in the news we're going to cover all the markets this will be known by everyone. This will be the explosion that the church needs. This will be the big thing that will promote the kingdom of God. Go do it. Do the sensational thing. It'll be grand. Be careful of the sensational temptation. Again, it's another real one. Nothing wrong with being sensational. There were things that Jesus did that drew a crowd regularly. But they were according to God, the Father's will and plan. Not according to anybody else's plan. But that temptation to be sensational is real. I mean, we want the sensational healing. We want the magnificent church growth explosion. We want the justice of God's kingdom to rain down and to be on the headlines. We want it big. Again, that's not necessarily bad. The only problem is sometimes that temptation makes it seem as that if it happens quietly, it doesn't count. And I believe the loudest sounds and celebrations of heaven are the quiet faithfulness of the saints on earth.
I believe that makes the loudest sound in heaven. Again, nothing wrong with the sensational except that it can be a great temptatious temptation to divide us from the ways of following God. We can have headline results but be mistreating people in the process. We can be we can we can have huge news stories of the the glorious kingdom of God and God's love, but we can be mistreating and abusing people in the process to get it done. We can be about ministries of grace in very legalistic, judgmental ways. In a way, we can win the battle but lose the war. Be careful of the temptation of being sensational. It's not my place or your place to demand from God the sensational. To demand from God what I want. It's our place to seek God's plan, to seek God's purposes, to apply them in the simplest way we can in everyday life. In our relationships with those closest to us and those furthest away, to be a witness to God. Reminded of what shared a couple times in the last several months, but Mother Teresa's reminder that it's small things with great love that are the building block of God's kingdom. Small actions with great love are the building blocks of God's kingdom. So the, the challenge uh, uh, in terms of the careful, sense, being careful of the sensational temptation is to continue to, is to look for ways during this Advent season to commit an anonymous act of mercy. Anonymous act of mercy, anonymous act of care to another, hoping that no one will notice. If they do, that's okay, because the issue isn't being noticed or not. We can, we can make a temptation of either one. The point is to do acts of mercy and not care whether it's sensational or not. Now, the, 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 the last thing that I want to see is we looked at Jesus walking through these, uh, uh, these temptations, is that note, every time, you notice how did Jesus respond to the devil? Every time. He said three words. It is written. Very good. He knew the scriptures. They were a part of his very soul. They formed his very character. He knew God's written word. And that's what he brought to bear in the battle against the temptations from the evil one. But the scriptures are not a magic book. Don't just go memorize your favorite little sentence. You need to be studying it. You need to be deep into it. You need to understand the whole of the story because the devil knows the scripture too and he can pull out a verse out of context and use it time and time again to tempt us and lead us in the way of our will instead of the Father's will. Because that's the third temptation. Did you notice that? The devil said, well, no, here's what it's also written about this. You know, that you, you, you go and the angels of God will protect us. We, we, the, we've got to know 
God's word so well that when it's misused, we can say, ah, that doesn't fit. That doesn't fit in the whole story here. That doesn't fit in the, the main points that God is communicating here. We've got to know the word. Uh, so that's the, 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 the challenge for next, next year. You know, January, we start to make uh, resolutions and those kind of things. Be, be, be thinking now, what's the way that, that you are going to continue to deepen your understanding of God's written word? Yeah, growth groups are up and running now, and that's a great way to get together with folks or other Bible studies that will be starting back up in, in January. But be recognizing that this is one of the ways that we, like Jesus, face the temptations of this world that want to lure us away from following the ways of our Creator and the flourishing that He wants for us in our lives. So, during this Advent season, be aware. Let's learn from Jesus. Be aware of the temptations of self-centered focus. Be aware of the the temptation of taking the shortcut. Be aware of the temptation of, of following the sensational and all of those in opposed to following the ways of God. And here, some of the challenges of being aware of those, and it may be that just one of them, maybe that there's one of these that the Lord has really laid on your heart today. Yeah, well, hang with that. Hang with that this Advent. It may be you, you need during this season, hey, let me just go hang in the slow lane. It, it, it may be that, you know, you need to be making that prayer every meal. I want to hunger for you like I do for this chocolate covered cream filled donut. Or maybe your your focus is just saying, I need to do some anonymous acts of mercy and not care if they're seen and tell nobody. And the last thing, focus on yourself when it comes to this. I'm sure you've also had, as uh, I had, as I was praying there, there, man, this is a good word for so-and-so. Well, that right for right now, that word is not to be acted on. You first thing, remember Jesus when he said, take the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of someone else's. So this this is our little present, your little present individually. Let's focus on that. So which way is the Lord leading you during this advent to to practice these little challenges? Which one um, to be so that we're more and more focused on the plan, the leading, the guiding, the love, the call, the direction of God. Let's pray.